Welcome to Expansion Cast. I'm your host, Roger Metz. Expansion Cast is a magical podcast I created so people could find simple or unconventional solutions to expand their personal awareness and experience. It is dedicated towards revealing people's divine truth and how that divine truth works its way out into the world, one by one, helping liberate each of us on our path to personal freedom. And in the studio today is Susie Byler. Susie is a certified holistic health practitioner, and she is also the founder of Creation Temple. Creation Temple is an online resource for supporting lightworkers in their spiritual path. Since Susie's dive, she now is a channel for the divine, a facilitator of sacred ceremony, and also a master of healing arts. So tell me a little bit about you before we really get going. Okay. Um, what do you What do you want to know? Where should I start? I've been following you for a while. Um, not uh, not too much, but I do know. I see. I saw a video of you. I think it was in 2013 when you really kind of started your journey. I think you just let go and you were going to surrender to the universe to bring you all of these signs to see where you were going to travel and whatever. Okay, you've been in my sort of ethers for a while then. Okay, yeah, I left Pennsylvania in the beginning of 2014. <laughs> yeah, so okay. that was like a surrender thing, hey? Oh, yeah, yeah, big time. <laughs> Are you still surrendering? <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still practicing, Roger. I'm still... <laughs> I'm a work in progress, let me tell you. <laughs> it's a constant practice, this surrender thing. It is. It's not easy, and I, like I do it too, but uh, yeah, it's it's a struggle. I know I started about the same time as you doing some surrender, and I got stuck in my job, you know, the, the safe job, for quite a few years, even though I was surrendering outside of that. Yeah. But it wasn't until this year that I actually quit my job, and now I'm full-time surrendering. So that's kind of what, <laughs> that is what brought me to this. <laughs> full-time surrender, as opposed to part-time surrender. Well, I can I can tell you the first time I was really activated with surrendering. It's, it's kind of a cool story. Yeah, let's hear it. I was in Costa Rica. It was 2012. And I was there for two weeks over that period of the, the 2012, the big hoopla, you know, no, at the I end, know, at know. the end of the year, December, 2012, when everyone thought that the Mayan calendar was ending and it was oh, going to be this yes. big grand. Yeah. And I, it was the last day I was leaving that day and it was early in the morning and I went out into the ocean and I started floating in the ocean. And I'm not someone who really can float very well. I don't tend to have a lot of buoyancy in the water. I tend to sink. And so this was kind of a remarkable experience to be floating in the ocean where there's jagged rocks around, where there's waves, to be able to float and relax enough to just hang out in the ocean like that was kind of miraculous for me. And as I was floating in the ocean, I be, just began to feel this complete 
surrender to whatever was going to happen. And I could feel it. I could feel it in my cells. And I felt, wow, this is what surrender feels like. Because I'm a, I'm a feeler. I process everything through my feeling senses. And to get that very tangible feeling in my cells of what surrender is, I was like, yeah, okay, now I get it. And I took that home with me. And for the next six months, I kept going back to that feeling. I kept regenerating that within my being because I wanted to, I wanted to remember that because surrender is not, not an easy thing for me. And I wanted to just like really get it down deep. This is what it is. This is what it feels like. So I'd have a reference point to keep going back to. And that's where, that's where surrender, that's not where it started for me, but that's where I kind of got over a hump with it. And I really, I really felt it. Yeah. So I guess what's your experience with surrender now? Like, yeah, where are you? Like what types of things are you surrendering to now? It's, it's still, it's still a big practice for me. I have to remind myself to surrender. Mm -hmm. Surrendering. I can, I can intellectually look back over my life and see how I've been supported and how I've been taken care of. And so I get it on an intellectual level that I'm supported, but I don't always feel it. And so that's an area where I'm practicing surrender right now. Like, even if I don't feel supported, surrender to the knowing that I am. So do you think that feeling of supportedness is is a part of you looking outside of yourself for support versus feeling supported internally? Yes, well it's it's both. For my in my experience when you are co-creating in a universe with lots of other energies and people and beings, there you need both within you the, the information about being supported or being loved or whatever it is that you're looking for outside of yourself, you need that, you need that information within you. And you also then get that reflection of what's within you get it externally. And because we are living in polarity, we have both that internal and that external. So, yeah. So expansion cast is a podcast that's really for people who are looking for solutions to struggle to move from mm. struggle yeah and i think in your work you help a lot of people move from that space yeah. what kind of tools are you you know putting out there for people yeah a lot of my tools are very energetic so i work with people who are deeply sensitive i work with the empaths and those that really feel deeply and my my energetic methods work well for those people who are connected with their feeling senses. And so my, my primary goal or way that I help people is to have them connect with their soul so that they can live their lives from a place of alignment to their soul. So instead of living out of obligation, instead of doing what the ego wants, it's like really going in deeper and connecting with the truest part of ourselves so that the life they then create from that place is fulfilling and it's, and it's joyous. And sometimes it's hard, 
But the the fulfillment that comes from going to that depth trumps all of the you know difficulties that come up with choosing that kind of a path. Yeah, I think we're when you say that soul place. Yeah. Um, I think, like I would call that divine truth. Would that be okay. the same thing? Um, sure. You know, everyone has different terminology for for the way they orient to these terms and understandings. Mm -hmm. So I call it soul. I call it I am presence. I call it source. You could call it divine truth. You know, there's lots of different names we can put to basically the same thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So now let's move into the tools. Yeah. So can I take you through one? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. So this is one of my foundational tools, and this is connecting with your soul essence. And so those that are listening in, I would just invite you to close your eyes and really begin to feel your soul. And maybe you have a place in your body where you feel a connection with your soul, and maybe you don't, that's okay. But we're going to start with setting the intention to connect with your soul. And so I'll invite you to take a deep breath through your belly while you set that intention to connect with your soul and allow yourself to drop down into your body and allow yourself to be present in this moment and allow the chaotic thoughts just to take a break for just one moment while you ask your soul to make itself known to you and ask yourself, how does it feel to be with my soul essence? How does it feel for the knowing of my soul to be activated within my body, within my energy field, within my emotional field, within my brain? How does it feel for the essence of my soul to express through me? How does it feel to connect with my soul? And what does my soul essence feel like? How does it feel to connect with my soul essence? And use your breath to bring forth the knowledge and information and energy of your soul into your body. As you breathe in, you're summoning your soul essence to be made known to you on many layers and levels of your being. How does it feel for the information of my soul to come into my intellectual understanding and knowing. How does it feel for my soul essence to expand within my body, within my being? And continue to breathe deeply and feel more and more of your soul expressing to you and through you. And 
notice now, do you feel your soul essence located with any particular part of your body? And the more you ask those kinds of questions, the more you are summoning forth your soul essence to be felt, to be expressed. And so I'm, I'm asking those questions every day, all the time, because I want to deepen the connection with my soul. I want to express more of my soul. I want to be more deeply integrated with my soul. And so I'm asking those questions at least once a day, several times a day. I ask in the morning when I get up, if I remember I ask before I go to bed. You know, it's, it's a constant communion that I'm engaging with my soul here. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel your soul essence? I feel, well, physically in my body, I feel it at my solar plexus. Mm -hmm. And when I, just now when I did that with you, I felt this like cooling, relaxed sensation around my solar plexus and I felt this opening and this expansion. It feels like this, like this whoosh of like, like this, this energy coming out of my solar plexus. Mm. And it feels, it feels very pure and it feels very powerful and it feels very uh, full of light and very energetic. It's, it's a lot of energy. That's how I feel myself. Yeah, that's nice. When I went through it, I was feeling energy up, moving up my back. So moving up and down my spine. Nice. Yeah. I love it. And that's usually like I, I, I tune in and ask odd things like, what should I eat for breakfast today? What, you know, and then yeah. I, I, sometimes I'll see an image. You know, maybe it's oatmeal or whatever. And, I'll, you know, I'll say it out loud. Is it oatmeal? And I'll get that response, that, sh you know, that shivery feeling moving up my spine. Beautiful. Yeah. So I think that's the same kind of thing you're talking about. Yeah, that's, ex that's exactly it. And I'm so glad that you have such a different experience that I, than I do because that shows that there's such a variety of ways that the soul can make itself known. Mm -hmm. Not everyone's going to feel their soul in their solar plexus. Some people are going to feel it running up and down their spine. And that's, that's perfect that it's so different. Mm -hmm. And it is important that we, as much as possible, can get some kind of physical sensation when, we're, when we start talking to our soul. Because then, then we have a baseline. Then we have a barometer. When we ask ourselves those questions, what should I eat for breakfast? And we get a and we get a vision and then we go in. Is this really what you're saying? And then we get the the yes or the no, depending on what the yes or the no is within the body. So it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah, yeah, me too. And the one thing it allows us to do, it it allows us to get rid of the stories. All the all the BS that says, Oh, you're supposed to eat this and this and this and this. You're supposed to have this much food for your weight and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, you know, I mean, for me, none of that stuff really works. Me, I tune in, ask myself, what's next? What, you know, what am I eating? And all of a sudden now my body's responding all the time. So I'm eating way less meat than I ever used to. Um, I'm eating, yeah. you know, lots of oatmeals and grains and different things. 
Yeah, and fruits. So yeah, the soul has a lot of information for us. There's, I mean, we can ask about our diet. We can ask about our mission. We can ask about, we can ask about anything. I mean, the soul, the soul knows. And the important piece with that also is to honor the human part of ourselves. So for me, what can happen is my soul gets so gung ho about what it's doing. And if I don't communicate with it, what my human part needs, I can get burnt out at the human level. I don't know if everyone is like this, but my soul is very motivated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my, I, my soul was on fire. You know, my soul is go, go, go get it done. And it's like, wait, I'm, but I have a human body I have to take care of in this process. And so it's important, yes, to connect with the soul and get that information. And it's also equally important to take care of the human body in this process. Mm-hmm. And so the nutrition, the hydration, the self-care, the, the movement or exercise, you know, all of these things are so, so important to honor the body as well. Mm-hmm. So um, are you living in Sedona right now? Yes. How is that for you? Very intense. Because you're, you're such a sensitive individual and Sedona yeah. is supposed to have so much energy. Um, yes. I've been to Sedona, I think about 2012 or so. Nice. And it was, there was lots of energy there. There's lots of energy where I live too, but um, I think it depends how we tune in. How has Sedona changed you? <laughs> oh, that is such a good question, Roger. Um, in many, many ways. And I think one of the biggest and most important ways is... Mm-hmm. She teaches me how to manage energy because there's so much energy here, because the energy is so amplified here, because I'm so sensitive, because I have so many channels open. It is a very delicate balance to live here and to manage all of the energy involved with that. And the longer I'm here, this is what it feels like to me anyway, the longer I'm here, the more energetic channels open and so the more I'm given that opportunity to develop my mastery with managing the energy, because there's no plateau. It's not like, okay, I've made it to this level. Let's hang out here. That's not how it works for me. And that's not how it works for Sedona. So there's never any resting on my laurels. It's always, okay, what's next? What's the next level? What's the next mastery opportunity? What's the next thing for me to learn? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. That's very intense. So what's the last thing you've learned? What was the last? But actually, you know, on, on the podcast, I'd like to ask people to dive into something very vulnerable. Yeah. So that you people can really relate to you. And Great. People can see that they're actually quite normal. Yeah. Yeah. Being human is normal. So let's embrace that. Uh, the last <laughs> thing that I learned was the honoring of the human part of myself. Back in March, uh, what started for me was this opening of sort of diving into my cellular trauma and healing a a lot more at a deeper level. Because I've been healing cellular trauma for years. This is nothing new. But um, the cycle that started was it came out of the blue. It was very unexpected. 
And it wasn't one thing. It was one thing after another, after another. And finally, like four, four and a half months after that started, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm burnt out. I'm exhausted. I'm losing self-confidence. I'm like, this is not, this is not healthy anymore. So what kind of things were happening? Was it drama, trauma, what, what sort of stuff? Um, I can't be specific on some things because it involves other people, but uh, it triggered my issues of abandonment. It triggered my issues of not feeling supported in life. It, um, it triggered the, well, I, I can share this one. So I spent two weeks with my parents and halfway through the two week visit, my soul said, let's have a talk about our mission. And I was like, oh, do we have, do we have to? Haven't we already done this? <laughs> but I listened to my soul. That's what I do. So I said, okay. And they agreed to sit down and talk with me and to give a little context here. I grew up Mennonite, which is part of the Christian religion. I grew up very conservative, uh, Bible-believing church. Um, from their point of view, what I'm doing is of the devil. It's of the occult. And so just to have that as a background for me to sit down and talk with them about what I'm doing is very challenging both for them and for me. And so what that looked like and felt like for me was I'm not sitting down with my parents. I'm sitting down with the people who have killed me every lifetime. I'm sitting down with the church because the church kills the shamans and the medicine women and the uh, the oracles and the witches and, you know, all of those things I've been in other lifetimes. This is what I'm facing. I'm facing the people who have killed me. I'm not, I'm not talking with my parents right now. At the cellular level, from the cellular trauma and the cellular memory, that's what I was feeling and experiencing. And so that experience of sitting down with them that was facing my biggest fear, essentially, the fear of being killed for my work. That was facing my biggest fear. And so sitting down with them opened up this well of cellular trauma. It was kind of like my soul said, okay, she faced her biggest fear. Now everything else can come up to be faced and confronted and healed because that was the big one. So now we can bring up everything else that she needs to deal with. <laughs> so, so it became then this, this sort of activation energy of, okay, we face that trauma. Okay, here's another one. Okay, here's another one. Look at this one. Okay, here's another one. Heal this. Oh, here's another one. Heal this. And after a while, I became so easily triggered by any little thing. And I was like, this is not healthy anymore. I'm not actually healing right now. I'm just looping around in this cellular trauma mess and I'm stopping it. I'm gonna honor my physical body. I'm gonna honor my health. I'm gonna honor my, my human aspect. And I'm gonna say, we're not processing anything else right now. I need to regain my strength. I need to rejuvenate just, you know, stop. So I told my soul, stop. 
we're, we're done with this cycle. We're complete with this cycle. Not that I won't go back and heal more cellular trauma, but all of that processing is not necessarily healthy. And I noticed that it was more of a pattern than something that I was actually doing to heal and something that was beneficial. And so what I did to heal was say, stop. And that was the most powerful healing thing that I could have done at that time. Yeah, that totally makes sense to me because I think we, yeah, we get into so many loops and healing can be a loop in itself. Like finding faults, finding struggles, creating struggles just to find them. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cre creating our own drama. You know, I love drama only because when I'm in it, I know I've got something going on. I know I've got a story somewhere that I need to delete. Interesting. And um, it, I have to be very self-aware when I'm in the drama, not yeah. not just some unaware drama. I do not like unaware drama. I like fully aware, fully conscious drama that I can I take something from and heal from. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah. So let's move into relationships. Sure. It seems like a lot of healing right now is around relationships. Yeah. And um, I see people healing themselves. And then in the relationship, all of a sudden there, there's this separation between the two people. So even, even while two people are healing themselves, finding their self-love and you know their center and, and whatnot, all of a sudden their immature uh, love that they felt for their partner starts to die off because you know that's I mean, some people say that's a mirror so we fall in love with our our opposite mirror right or whatever mm -hmm. it is so you I don't your partner if it's if it's a male and you were young you might have fallen in love with your internal ma male mirror so when we heal ourselves all of a sudden that mirror starts to dissolve because we don't need that external support. Yeah. And then we're looking at this person like, what the fuck? Who is this person? I don't need it. You know, there's no needs there anymore. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then we're like, then we have to find a way to love that person without needing, without the neediness. Yeah. Without the selfishness. Without the codependency. Yes. Yeah. And that so, sounds like a difficult um, transformation to make, a difficult step. And how would you go around helping somebody take that step, that journey? Yeah. Well, the first thing is to acknowledge that most of that work is within the self and it's not with the other person. And the thing about relationships is if two people want to grow together, that's amazing. But if only one person wants to grow, you, you as the person who wants to grow, you have no say or control over what the other person wants to do. And so it always does come back to you. It always comes back to taking self-responsibility and working on yourself and your growth. And then, yeah, if you are blessed enough to be in a relationship where the other person wants to do that with you, 
that's amazing. Then you can use each other as mirrors. You can use each other as support. Um, but if the other person isn't into that, then you have to focus on yourself and doing your own inner work. And I have, I have another uh, vulnerability perhaps that I could share along those lines. Yeah, I love vulnerabilities. Yes, I knew you might. <laughs> so um, recently in my own life, I realized that I felt really abandoned by the sacred masculine. And I have known that about myself for a long, long time. Um, but the recent trigger that happened really showed me that I still have that as a part of me. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to heal this thing with the sacred masculine. And as I went into that and I started to explore that, what I realized was that part of the reason I felt that was because I had actually abandoned my divine feminine nature. When I was five years old, I, I kicked her out. I made some sort of decision, conscious or unconscious, I made a decision to operate from the masculine energy. And I had actually given her the boot. And so the understanding is if I want to feel supported by the sacred masculine, then I need to be in my sacred feminine because the sacred masculine can't meet me and, and support me and provide for me if I'm not in my sacred feminine. Like the, to the degree, only to the degree that I'm in my secular, sacred feminine can the sacred masculine meet me and support me. That is so true. So, so my work wasn't necessarily to heal my relationship with the sacred masculine. It was to heal my relationship with the sacred feminine within myself and to allow her to have a presence in my life, in my being, to have her, to let her have her voice. And that has been so profound. Do you remember the, what the event was that uh, triggered yeah. you open? Yeah, my brother was born. So I was the, I was the third girl in my family. Mm -hmm. So I was the baby for four and a half years before he came along. So I was the one that got the attention. I was the one that was kind of probably center stage because I was the baby. And to, to have that experience in those formative years for that long, for four and a half, five years, and then to have something come in and disrupt that. And what came in and disrupted that was the masculine. And because there were three girls to have this boy that came along, he was the golden child. He was like, ah, here's the boy, you know, in our culture, we, we honor the, the masculine that's changing, but that was my experience, you know, 35, 40 years ago. And so when that happened, there was something in me that knew, okay, if I want to keep getting the attention, I'm going to have to be a boy. Hmm. So that's what I tried to do. Yeah. You let go of the feminine. Yeah. 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 So I want to share with you a similar experience that actually happened for me this year. Oh, cool. Um, I was doing a breath workshop and I went, I don't know if you've ever done breath work, 
Um, but anyway, I went like deeper than I'd ever gone in any workshop and we were in partners and I was partnered with a female. Now all we do is lay beside each other. And I was super, super deep into this and all of a sudden I felt this uh, basically masculine um, energy right beside me and it was sexual energy. And I felt very awkward about it. And I, being me surrendering, I was like, okay, I'll just surrender into it, even though it felt very male and sexual. I'll just surrender into it. And so the energy moved into me. And in that moment it moved in, it was like such a realization that I had given up my masculine part of me. So my sacred masculine, I'd given that up over the years, you know, maybe in in some of the same stories that you had, you know, around male, female, uh, role models, different things. And as I brought that back in, my whole body just, I could feel it vibrating and waking up. And I felt my little boy in me, mm. like, like just saying thank you for finally accepting me. And it was just, right. it was yeah, a huge uh, moment for me. Thank you for allowing that. Yeah. 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 It's beautiful. So tell me more about you. Well, you know, I'm, I'm super committed to my soul mission and that's the most important part of me. And you have and, a description of that soul mission. Yeah, the overall version is restoring heaven on earth. And everyone has a different version of that. And, and many of us have that as a mission. And so I show up each day in service to that mission, whatever it looks like that day, it might be different from day to day. Today, it's showing up on your podcast and sharing a little bit of my essence with your community. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it can be, it can be very different from day to day, but as we know, this planet, you know, needs us to step up and clean things up or, you know, we're not going to be able to survive here as humans. So that's, that's why I'm here. And whatever I can do in service to that is, is what I'm going to do. And it's a, it's a kind of funny thing because I've been doing that from my masculine energy for so long that I'm now reorienting to it and, and saying, okay, how can I bring the, the feminine energy into this mission? Because it's not all go, 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 do, do, do. There's a lot of space holding that's required for a huge transition, you know, a planetary transition like we're doing right now. There's a lot of uh, compassion that's required for this transition time and the past the past five months i called the five months from hell <laughs> because it was horrible it was really really horrible um, those past five months really brought in a new level of humility and compassion compassion for myself and then you know i can only give to others what i have for myself so i'm much more compassionate with other people now wherever they are on their journeys and it's a fascinating it's a fascinating journey to shift from being in masculine mode moving into feminine mode 
it's there's this vast territory that I'm exploring. It's exciting, it's deep, it's gentle, it's slow. I'm not necessarily the most patient person. So this is definitely uh, giving me the opportunity to embrace more of the feminine patience energy. So it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. And have you noticed a difference in how people interact with you now? A little bit, yeah. Um, I'm trying to see if I can find words to put to that. I, I believe that I've just touched the tip of the iceberg. What I feel will be showing up with much more depth and regularity and strength is support. Like people, I believe, will come into my world and say, oh, I really like what you're doing. I want to support that. And because I've changed and I'm changing my energetics to be more in my feminine receiving mode, I believe that will allow people to, to be able to step in to offer support. Whereas in the past, you know, well, basically in my whole life, I've been very independent. I've done everything for myself, but that's not, that's not what this planet needs right now. This planet needs us to come together in community and supporting each other. Yeah. It needs us to nurture each other. Yeah, so for sure. We can move into our truth. Yeah, absolutely. Yesterday I had a massage. Um, she's a good friend of mine. And um, every massage before yesterday, she was very articulate, methodical, and and um, the massages were they were good, but they were very um, but they were very methodical. Like more mechanical. Mechanical kind of a way, yeah. And yesterday I went, and I, I for some reason I asked for a different style of massage. And so she was giving me more of a relaxation massage and I was noticing her energy was way different. And I, and she got up to around my head and I says, your energy is so feminine today. Like it's, it's like, it's so beautiful. Like what's like, what's the change? She was like, Oh my God, I knew you were going to notice. And she said, she just transitioned she, a few days before and she started accepting that part of herself. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, there's this beautiful energy in the room. It was just about overwhelming for me. Beautiful. And, yeah, it was very nurturing. And, yeah, absolutely beautiful. And I left that massage in a space that I could barely even drive. I was so, um, I, I don't know what the word is, maybe blissed out. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was absolutely the most beautiful massage I've probably ever had. It sounds very nourishing. Yeah, it was. And it was her stepping into her feminine, right? Yeah. And honoring it without fear. And I understand there's a fear in it because some some of the juvenile masculine, when they when they get a hold of that feminine, they just want to devour it. They just want to take it over. Mm -hmm. And the the true masculine should be just there and just embracing it and enjoying it as a gift. Yeah. Yeah. There is a sweet 
vulnerability that comes with the feminine energy. And not that the masculine can't be vulnerable, but it's a different flavor of vulnerability. And it is, as a woman, I will say, it is more scary than when I'm in masculine mode. And, and this is also because I'm at the beginning stages of it. You know, when, as I get more comfortable and more powerful with it, I believe that will change. But, but there is a, a tenderness that uh, to fully step into the feminine is there is, there is um, a scariness there. As women, when we're truly in our feminine, when we're in our vulnerability, there is an allowing and a receiving that if we don't have proper boundaries, we can be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. You know, if we don't have a proper understanding of how the energy works and, and we don't hold our own, it can be scary to be that vulnerable. But the opposite is also true. When we know how to use healthy boundaries and enforce them, and when we know how to embody our energy, then even though there's still a vulnerability, there's not a fear of being taken advantage of. Something you said earlier on was um, you, you get in a flow, and, you, and as you're talking, it's like you're so present that if I stop you and ask you, what did you say? You have absolutely no idea what you said. And yeah. I do the same thing. And I actually right now I'm kind of struggling with that because somebody I'll be talking, 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 and somebody will say, Well, what what did you say, you know, a few seconds ago? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so why is that happening? And it really seems to be happening since I've started surrendering more and moving into presence. Yeah, I, I experienced it as a rewiring of the brain. When we're going through upgrades, we, we rewire our brain and our nervous system. There are old neuronal connections that are lost and new ones that are being formed. And the stuff that's no longer relevant, we don't have to keep that in our brains. We don't have to keep that in our memory. We can let it go. So probably what you're doing is you're letting go of what's not relevant, what no longer serves you. Mm-hmm. And you're just being present to where you are right now and what you're creating for your future rather than being stuck in the past. <laughs> I So I used to go to acupuncture regularly when I lived in Pennsylvania. I had an acupuncturist that I would see very consistently. And in the beginning years, when I was full on rewiring my brain, there would be times where I would leave the session and my mind was just mush. And I'm, I'm someone historically who has been very intelligent, very smart. Like I got straight A's in school and got a good scholarship to college and blah, blah, blah. I relied on my mind. I relied on my brain. That was my, that was my center instead of my heart. My brain was my center, right? And so when this started happening, I was freaking out. I was like, I can't remember what happened five minutes ago. What what did you do to my brain? And and he would just sort of laugh, you know, because he knew what was going on. (laughs) And it was very purposeful. But it was was freaky when it first started happening. But then I began to understand that 
I'm rewiring and the stuff I used to hold everything in my brain. I used to hold on to so much. And it was like, I started to realize that I could let go. I didn't have to remember everything. I didn't have to process everything through my brain. I had other centers of processing, you know, my heart can process, my soul can process, my intuition can process all of those things. So I believe long story short, I believe what's happening is we're rewiring our brains and the stuff that's not necessary. We don't remember it because we don't need to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I will literally have experiences where I have to go out the door. There are certain things I need to remember. I haven't written it down and I'll walk out the door just completely forgetting everything. And I'll just tune in. I'll say, okay, I'll ask my guidance. I'll be like, okay, is there anything that I forgot? And they'll tell me, you're like, you need this from your office and this thing over here. I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks. And it's like, in the past, I would have, you know, all day I would have been like, okay, I need to remember this. I need to remember that. I need to remember this. And now it's just like, be present. You'll be given the information as you need it. Mm -hmm. Kind of cool how that works. So um, yesterday we had talked about oh, pattern overrides. Yes, pattern overrides. Yeah. Can you dive into that? Sure. Yeah. Well, going back to what I was talking about earlier in the conversation with my five months of hell <laughs> and the the over processing of the cellular trauma that I got into. I started to notice that it was a pattern that I would get triggered anytime something, you know, really small and insignificant would happen. I would get triggered and then I would like dive into, okay, what is this trauma all about and what do I need to heal? And, you know, and when I started to see the pattern that it was becoming, I said, I have to figure out how to, interrupt this pattern because this is not a healthy pattern and I need to stop all of this over processing and and actually one of my creation temple members gave me this term pattern override and I loved it so much that I jumped that I jumped on it and it really is about finding ways to disrupt the unhealthy patterns that you have and most of this comes about in the form of addiction. We're addicted to our thoughts, we're addicted to our emotions, we're addicted to certain substances, we're addicted to uh, feeling a certain way or we're even engaging in life a certain way. I started to become addicted to the processing of the trauma. And, and we form these habits that aren't healthy and we need to find ways to interrupt and disrupt those. And so, we can use our breath. Like when you feel an emotional charge, when you feel a trigger, take a deep breath before doing anything else. Like people, when they feel an emotional charge or a trigger, they want to dispel it in some way. They want to break the tension that that has caused. And so they act out or they confront right away or they maybe they run away from it because they don't know how to confront. You know, everyone has their, their fight, fight or flight. Everyone has their mode that they go into. I'm a confronter. And so what I needed to do when these triggers were happening is I needed to take a breath and pull back 
and move. And this is where I was practicing moving, moving into my feminine and being with my feminine. I needed to pull back and not confront right away. I need to pull, I needed to pull back and sit with the tension, allow the tension of the trigger to be there instead of trying to figure it out right away or resolve it right away. And that was very powerful to disrupt my pattern, to override my pattern. And so everyone has a different way because, you know, depending on what your default mode is, there's going to be a different approach for it. But the key is to de develop self-awareness about what your default mode is when you're triggered. What is your default mode with your habits, with your patterns? We need to develop awareness around those things so that we can change it up, so we can interrupt the patterns and override them. I find awareness is the key for pretty much everything. Yeah. If we be, can become consciously aware of everything that we're doing, you know, it kind of separates the struggle and allows us to see what's happening. Um, and it can develop deeper and deeper and deeper. Like myself, did you hear about that event called World Eye Contact? I'm not sure. I, it sounds I, vaguely familiar, but I'm not sure. I saw it on Facebook uh, Saturday morning. I was like, oh, I should be I should be hosting this. Do a park and host it. So I posted a whole bunch of stuff on Facebook. And I went to the park. And I sat there in the park thinking, it could be just me. So I was happy with that. I sat there and, you know, I did some yoga, I did some meditating, and I was very happy. The sun was shining on me, the grass was nice and green and soft. You know, I was feeling all, you know, feeling everything around me. I was just in the moment, I was so present. And uh, one lady showed up about halfway through and she sat down and we went into eye gazing and she started to cry and my heart just started to open and she was having a really hard time staying focused and by the end of eye gazing she was able to stay steady and stay focused it was beautiful to see all her hurt and her pain coming up yeah yeah beautiful so i, I think that's the places we can go when we start to become aware we can help each other process so much more. Yeah. Yeah, it can feel divine even when things are challenging or difficult. In the in the vein of vulnerability, one of the things that I say with to people is, you know, this journey is not always easy. This journey can be really, really hard. And I get a lot of flack from that sometimes because, you know, there's this thing in the spiritual community about, you know, what you think creates your reality and, um, you know, focus on the positive. And there's a spiritual bypass sometimes where we gloss over the challenging parts and the challenging times. And I want to be real with people and say, it doesn't always feel blissful. It doesn't always feel divine. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it feels like crap. You know, and that's okay. That's just part of life and part of the journey and, and don't run away from that. Yeah, and sometimes in that in that crap, that anger, whatever it is that's coming through, just being so present with it 
if we, yeah. can, if we can see where it's trying to take us, then once we get to the other side, suddenly there's this, this beauty about the whole process. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, one of the things that got me through my five months of hell was knowing that on the other side of this, this is going to be massive. There's no way I'd be going through this much stuff if I wasn't rebirthing myself into something amazing. And because I trust the journey and I know the journey, I've rebirthed myself many times over. I know that the deeper it is, the brighter it is on the other side, right? So that that knowing and that understanding of how the journey works and surrendering to those parts of the journey can really be the thing that gets you through to, to getting to the other side as if there's another side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where do we go from here? Into our hearts. You know, as we as we do this journey together on this planet, that's that's where we go into our hearts and into our souls so that we can access the true parts of ourselves we can access the powerful parts of ourselves and we can create something different on this planet than what's been happening for a long long time because we are very blessed to be here at this auspicious time on planet earth and this is an amazing opportunity we have as human beings who are creator beings to change the trajectory of what happens here on this planet. And so we have, I believe, a tremendous responsibility to embrace our powers as creator beings, to embrace our humanity, and to embrace all of our higher frequency aspects and to come into our hearts and our souls so that we can come together and create something different. Because you know what happens when we come together from our ego, you know, we try to outdo each other. We try to fight. We try to get control, whatever. When we come together from our hearts and our souls, it's a whole different ball game. It's a whole different game. There's a, there's a unity that can be created from coming together from the truest parts of ourselves. And that's really what I want to see more of on this planet. Mm -hmm. What was the last joyful thing that caused you to cry? Oh, um, it just happened. And what? I know what it was. Yes, I had a really profound conversation with my mentor where I was activated into feeling more of my value, more of the value that I bring to this planet. And in that feeling of more of my value, I also began to feel more deeply supported by life. And I, I just, I wept tears of gratitude, tears of joy, tears of, you know, being sorry and regretful that I hadn't felt that before or acknowledged that before, but mostly tears of joy and gratitude that I was 
able to access feeling supported because most of my life I haven't felt supported. So to, for me as a feeler, it's important for me to feel these things mm -hmm. to feel supported is massive for me. And so it was, it was a short, short period of time, but it was potent and it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and speaking about it now, actually, I'm able to get back into that feeling. I'm feeling it right now. It's so, so precious. So thank you, Roger, for inviting me into that space. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah, it's good. I can feel it too. It's interesting how we're so far apart right now. And I can feel that energy that you're feeling. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. So with that, um, <laughs> thank you for being on my podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And uh, my website is rogermetz.com. And this podcast is ExpansionCast. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.